Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode number 85, Tuesday, July 7th, 2020, and I hope that all of you listeners out there are doing well during these crazy and unprecedented times. Today's episode will quickly touch on a variety of sports betting topics, including recent legal developments and updates on the return of major American sports as we continue to adapt on a day-by-day basis with this new reality that we're in with the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, with all the uncertainty out there, it's it's hard to say anything with any sort of high degree of confidence these days, but as things stand, we are on the cusp of entering a very special period of time when it comes to American sports. All of the top leagues and competitions are getting ready to return here stateside soon, obviously along with golf and, and the UFC, but uh, golf, which has already started, um, and competitions have been going on for a few weeks now. But we are about to enter that period where we join the rest of the world, welcoming back sports without fans in the stands. Uh, not only that, but so many changes are happening by the day in the American sports betting industry in general, and this COVID-19 pandemic is forcing a lot of those changes. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. So in this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod, I'm going to provide an update on where things stand on the legal side of things, especially here in my home state of Illinois, where we can now officially legally bet via mobile since June 18th, just a few weeks ago. And then I will dive into the actual sports themselves, and we'll look at uh, some betting angles when the games do start to get played. And like I kind of said at the beginning, these are everything but normal times, and no matter what happens this late uh, summer or this fall period, uh, it's it's going to look something like we've never seen before. But from a handicapping perspective, with so much uncertainty, uh, there will come plenty of opportunity to get ahead of the markets and put ourselves in a great position to make some money over the course of the next few months. So let's roll up our sleeves and dive right in. So starting with a legal sports betting update, because a lot has been happening across the country Here in Illinois, we had some major news a few weeks ago. At the beginning of June, Governor Pritzker issued an executive order lifting the in-person requirement for mobile registration. I touched on this on the last episode of the podcast, and I actually had the honor of going on Chicago Sports Radio on 670 The Score with Joe Ostrovsky to talk about the legal developments happening here in Illinois a little bit less than a month ago. And for a link to that interview from last month, just check out the Doggy Juice Twitter. But a lot's been happening. A lot was happening at that time. A lot has been happening since that time, and it was happening very fast here in Illinois. And sure enough, on June 18th, Bet Rivers officially went live with their online sports betting platform. So you can officially bet online as of June 18th here in Illinois, bet from your phones, and they lifted the in-person registration requirement. Uh, There's going to be more books coming soon, so you should definitely be sure to take advantage of whatever promos are out there and sign up for these books online on on your phones as soon as they're made available to you because uh, a change in the Illinois rules has opened the door also for that. It's also opened the door for co-branding, so we're about to see some major players like DraftKings and FanDuel enter the Illinois market in the coming months. So it's going to be very exciting stuff. And on top of that, here in Illinois, casinos opened on July 1st as the state moved to Phase 4. 
There's still some major problems with the existing Illinois sports betting law. I've touched on that at length in the past. You just have to go back and listen uh, to, to hear what I think about the, the law here. But the biggest problem I did have with it uh, was the in-person registration requirement, which has now been temporary, temporarily lifted. So uh, the, the future's bright. There's still a lot of hurdles to climb, but it's here. You can bet uh, legally on your phone here in Illinois, which is very exciting. But there is a new gold standard, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to the state that has figured everything out um, in a state that I'm very bullish on in, in the next few years. And I don't understand how you could not be, but Colorado, Colorado is the new gold standard. Colorado went live on May 1st, and we've already seen several sports betting operators make their way into that state right now. It's happening, and this fall, it's going to be the number one place for betters. And why is that? It's because the Colorado law is reasonable, and it's making the barrier for entry a lot easier for operators, and as a result, operators will be afforded the opportunity to get more creative, to offer more competitive lines for us, the betters, uh, be more innovative with what they're offering, and keep, obviously, their prices in check because there's so much competition out there, and as a result, they're going to see more handle, more people making bets, and more state revenue for the state of Colorado. So Colorado is the place to be. Circa Sports opened up their book there. Uh, they launched at the beginning of July. So if you're out in Colorado, be sure to download the Circa Sports app. That's going to have your best odds. Also, the Sky Ute Casino with U.S. Bookmaking, uh, Robert Walker running their books. They have awesome odds, awesome juice. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that you should check Circa and, uh, and Sky Ute's odds first if you're living in Colorado. They will almost surely have the best odds you'll be able to find, especially on futures. And Circa is very upfront with their whole percentages as well. Uh, really just a total believer in what in what Circa's building with their model, uh, which is, and I'll get into this later, but that's it's pretty much the opposite of the model that we're seeing um, elsewhere with a lot of these European companies that are entering the space uh, over the past few years. But uh, just the best market out there for operator, operators with the least barriers to entry is Colorado, and, and all signs are the game. All signs point to the gaming board there being very easy to work with, and adaptable and reasonable. So hopefully, other states will take notice and follow suit, especially as they realize how well Colorado's doing and they see um, how much money the Colorado's taking in, you know, in the next year or so. But there's no doubt that Colorado is going to be the gold standard over the next year or so. Speaking of states that haven't followed Colorado's uh, path or are going the same path as Colorado, California. Uh, the problem with California is that they have, and, and some other states as well, is that they have a, a state tribal compact with uh, with Native American tribes, and that that hamstrings the entire process because tribes have. Uh, it's hard to explain, but basically, tribes have. Have, have certain rights in some states and uh, when it comes to gaming. And for a while, last month, it appeared that there could have been a path for, for legal sports betting in Cali, but that is decidedly not the case now. It's likely uh, going to be at least a few more years until we see mobile betting over there. And I, I will dive more into California and their legal process on a later episode, but as it stands right now, their session's over. We're not going to be seeing any movement there when last month it appeared that we at least had a chance uh, to see California put something together to make sports betting, uh, legal sports betting a reality in that state this year. But uh, that's going to take a while. So all we can do is hope I mean, that over time, states that aren't getting this right 
take notice from the states that are getting it right, you know, the Colorados, the New Jerseys um, of the world. And, and hopefully those other states will start to emulate the Colorados and the New Jerseys of the world and their legislation and from a regulatory perspective uh, moving forward. Uh, we had a, uh, a fiasco last week. I don't know if you heard about it, but the Korean baseball, Japanese baseball parlay fiasco Basically, what happened is on their kiosks at, at MGM properties, um, some players went in, and apparently after the games had already started, players went in and put in some parlays, and you know the games weren't decided by that point, but you know team had established a lead, and the parlays were put in like the game was you know like it was a pregame bet, and of course uh, some of those bets cashed for a lot of money. And so it's creating a you know pretty big controversy right now, and, and also just a, a an ethical argument, you know, the bookmaker perspective versus the better perspective. Uh, you know, if, if the the line's available to bet into it, uh, is it the better's fault? But if the better has reason to know that what they're betting into is is a stale line or you know something they shouldn't be betting into, is is it their fault? But Nevada Gaming is looking this over, and usually in these instances, you see the betters usually get to keep their money, but they're 86th permanently from the establishment. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. And it kind of just goes along with this whole, I was just talk, talking about it a little bit ago, the, the European influx uh, that's coming in since, you know, since PASPA was overturned just over two years ago here in America. And this new legal landscape we have here, we have a lot of new players that have entered the space. And a lot of them are European operators. And, and the European style, the way things are across the pond is, it's there's more of a natural adversarial divide between the better and the bookmaker, and that divide appears to be widening in America now. And you know, on the flip side of the European style of bookmaking, you have the you know, the American style, which circus sports is trying to emulate. But the European style is what's prevalent across the country right now, and in that style, it, it's really just not friendly at all to sharp bettors. I mean, for lack of a better term, European operators are known to completely cut off customers or at least limit those customers to the point where, you know, it's not even, it's no longer worth their while to make a wager at that, at that um, location. And they take pride in it. European operators take pride in limiting or cutting off customers. They're very aggressive about it. It's not part of their business model to allow sharp action. Uh, so, they don't welcome it at all, and they're, they make no bones about it. They don't try to, to beat around the bush, and it's just the way things are. You know, overseas, in the U.K. and in Europe, if, once you start making money or showing that you're beating the closing line or taking advantage and, and arbitraging you know, different plays, uh, they're going to shut you down for the most part. And now in America, this new market that we have here, these European companies are moving over. They're taking that same approach here in America, but interestingly – they're they're kind of they're they're not quick to admit it. I mean, you even saw William Hill's CEO uh, a couple of years ago or a year ago at a conference. He was questioned about it and and beat around the bush. You know, they they're they're claiming that they're taking all action, but it's just not the case in practice. And we're seeing these new companies come into the American sports betting space with that same approach. You know, FanDuel, DraftKings, all the big names have that European influence, and European companies run them. And they're severely limiting betters. You're seeing stories of betters out there that, you know, they're trying to get a couple hundred dollars in a wager and they're limited to $20 or $10 or even like $4. It's pretty comical at times, although that they're, they're limiting these bet sizes. And, 
And that's, that's becoming a big problem. And it's, people have been pretty vocal about it. But as this market continues to expand, it's becoming more and more of an issue. And it's often, oftentimes, I think they're making the mistake of misdiagnosing customers and limiting someone who isn't even a sharp or someone who's, who's going to win in the long run. They're actually limiting people who's going to lose in the long run. And this limits those books. And the, their business model is built on continually acquiring new squares, new customers, which you know they're going to be able to do here in America in the coming years, obviously, as sports betting continues to grow. But I think they're limiting themselves, and, and I'm definitely not alone in this thinking. I mean, the American style, this newly forming American style of booking sharp action, and it's also an offshore style. You know, the American style is, is one way to view it, but it's really the way that uh, the old pinnacles of the world offshore used to operate by by taking sharp action in order to increase volume and for the informational edge of knowing where the sharp money is. You move your line and you adjust. And that's that's the way I would love to see the industry move in the future. And you're seeing Circus Sports already uh, embrace that that model of, of booking and wel- welcoming all action and, and uh, keeping full transparency with their limits for all betters. There's a lot to that. And I think that us as betters, we should reward bookmakers like that with our business. You know, they're giving us better lines and they're not limiting us. We should be looking there to play there first. Does that mean that we're playing their lines and we can find a better line elsewhere? No, absolutely not. But um, at least looking to give this, you know, these books business, the circles uh, business and, and, and good press is just going to help our own efforts in the future, you know, of trying to get down and, and uh, be able to have a more robust sports betting market on a, on a state-by-state and, and even a countrywide basis. So this is one of the biggest battles that I'm seeing uh, play out right now and that I'm going to be paying attention to over the next couple of years here in America. These are incredibly important times for the industry as new companies enter the space and try to gain a piece of the pie. Fortunately, there are some people out there who do get it and have a voice and are trying to educate the masses on these issues. Captain Jack Andrews is a guy that immediately comes to mind. He gets it. Um, be sure to follow him on Twitter, Spanky as well on Twitter. Check out his podcast, Be Better Betters. Uh, and, and those people are educating the masses about that. And it's one of the main reasons why you know I started the Doggy Juice Pod almost two years ago. Uh, and I will continue to try to help people to see the light as we move forward with you know the goal of 5 to 10 or even 20 years down the line to see a more robust American sports betting market that allows betters to get down and the... The books will flourish as well, obviously, with more more handle and, and more people betting and more money coming in, obviously, on, on individual games. And that's going to result in more state revenue. And, and it's for individual states, it's good for integrity as well. It keeps the games above board. It allows us to monitor the betting action and the betting irregular betting patterns, potentially, if the bets are above board. And you can't do that when a lot of the money is going offshore or you know, in Asia or, or other, you know, the black market, other places like that. So when you have books that are more, when you have states that are allowing books to operate um, in a way that welcomes all action, it keeps the action above board, it's better for everybody. And, and I really do think that there's a room for everyone to thrive here as this rocket takes off in, in the upcoming years. And more importantly, with the leagues finally out of the shadows and, and backing sports betting as well. All right, so like I said at the top, we are on the cusp of entering the most unique period of sports in America that we have ever seen. And with a unique setup, we'll surely come 
plenty of betting opportunities and chances to find edges in the marketplace so we can build up our bankroll. So let's dive into some actual nitty-gritty sports betting talk. So American sports are gearing up to return, but the coronavirus impact has everything on thin ice. So literally everything I'm about to talk about can possibly be turned on its head in a matter of days or even hours. So even if things do proceed, it's certainly foreseeable, and we've already seen that some players, some coaches, or even some teams won't end up participating in the restart. But most importantly, from a legal perspective, the impact of of the pandemic and as a result the actual reopening laws vary wildly on a state-by-state basis and the fact that nobody can get on the same page you know on a state-by-state basis is also throwing a wrench in things one state might be effectively containing the virus at this point while another state even a neighboring state might be suffering now more than ever before and this lack of consistency on a state-by-state basis is really what threatens to keep sports from starting back up later this month when they're supposed to. Um, not necessarily just the level of COVID cases in particular states, but more importantly, the laws in those states can and will directly impact sports returning and the ability for teams to even assemble and, and play within those states' borders. So, for example, you might not be able to legally gather in a state, let alone play a game, whereas another state may allow it. And this makes things tricky since teams are obviously coming you know, from states across the country. I mean, if a situation right now where anybody flying from, you know, California or a number of states into New York, you have to, your mandatory 14-day quarantine. You saw it with um, with uh, hot dog eating contests. You know, you want Joey Chestnut's toughest competition, Matt Stoney, wasn't even able to make the trip to New York from California because of state law. So it's going to be interesting, and obviously it's going to be tricky. But leagues will have contingency plans, but even those contingency plans can be thrown um, on their head in these crazy times as well. And on top of all that, COVID-19 itself is going to play a daily role in our handicapping from the perspective that on a dime, a key player or a group of key players can become disqualified from playing, and that could happen really fast. And, And knowledge of who is going to be in or out due to covid can have a major implications, not just on the betting line for that individual game or you know the individual games coming up on the schedule, but also on the futures market, on the player props market, you know, in baseball, like home runs, wins, losses, strikeouts, and HIPAA considerations are going to make it very difficult for anyone, uh, for everyone to know what's going on. But those equipped with that insider knowledge can find a huge edge. And it's going to cause integrity issues for sure moving forward because people that have that knowledge obviously can can do a lot of damage with it. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how things move forward. But those we have to operate with those as our backdrops because these are just completely unprecedented times and something we've never seen before. Obviously, golf has returned. We've had a few tournaments under our belt now, and things are running relatively smoothly despite some positive COVID tests in golf. Unless you've been under a rock lately, Bryson DeChambeau, has been the story in golf so far this summer. Uh, that dude's bulked up big time. He's just crushing the ball, just like he's crushing those those protein shakes. So, um, But that's been going on this summer, obviously. He's bulked up a lot, and he just won the tournament this past weekend. His odds have now plummeted for the majors later this summer and this fall. He's actually now the favorite, uh, DeChambeau, along with uh, Rory at most sportsbooks for the majors. 
But golf has been interesting, and and the lack of fans really makes things interesting from a handicapping point of view. Um, and it, it's exciting too, especially those first few tournaments when you had full fields. You know, the, everyone wanted to participate again, so you really had some star-studded fields in these events that you're not normally used to seeing star-studded fields for. I'm personally starting to work on developing my own golf models this summer. It's a long process, and I'm I'm still in the infant stages of, of planning and building a database for it. But um, I've been saying it on the Doggy Juice Pod for years now, and I do agree with Vincent's Gil Alexander, who said that he believes golf is the sport most ripe for a data revolution. I think we're already starting to see it, and the popularity is there, obviously, with the Tiger effect and all the young golfers. But that sport really lends itself to creative betting and live betting and tons of different types of bets too we're already seeing some books get creative obviously with you know not just to win props but top five top 10 top 20 and i've heard some interesting ideas like a win play show type of thing uh, for golf tournaments and really get some crazy payouts with that uh, there's tons of ideas out there and and it's just a sport that lends itself to you know, just new types of, of sources of data and and uh, it's going to be exciting to see where that moves the next few years. So golf really is, I mean, for me personally, basketball and football are the sports that I originate on. You know, I make my own lines for it and, and I've, I have my own models and it's been doing well. But golf is the next one that I really want to move into um, just because I think the opportunities are going to be there uh, for all of us the next few years. Uh, just given the popularity, the amount of money being bet into it, but also just the the edges that we can find um, in the marketplace and, and all this new data that's out there. Um, the UFC, like golf, has also been going strong for the past couple of months. We have a, a pretty fire UFC 251 card this Saturday at Fight Island, so that's been exciting. Soccer, the Bundesliga in Germany was the first major international soccer league to return last month. The Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, and some of the others in Europe followed suit soon after that. And right now there's there's some very interesting promotion and relegation battles going on. In multiple countries, uh, European qualification for the, you know, the major European competitions uh, for next year. That's also getting very interesting, especially in the Premier League, where Leicester City has completely fallen off a cliff since the restart, while Man United, they're on a roll. And according to Jeff Sherman at the Westgate in Las Vegas, his book has been seeing five to ten times the, the betting action on these European soccer games than they're used to seeing at this time of year. Uh, or sorry, not, not this time of the year, because they're obviously never getting it at this time of year, but just in general, uh, five to ten times the action. Lots of parlays, and, and people are loving to get down on uh, on the top teams. So next month, we are also supposed to see Champions League finish up. I believe that starts on August 7th, which will also be very intriguing to check out. It's a one-and-done format with eight teams. It's going to take place in Portugal. The Champions League final was supposed to be in Lisbon at the end of the season. Uh, Man City, my team, they're the, the short shot, but Bayern, PSG, and Barcelona, they're also in the mix from, from a futures odds perspective. Uh, that's going to be very interesting to watch. And then here stateside, the MLS's back tournament starts tomorrow, actually, and it's it's supposed to run until August 11th. It's taking place behind closed doors at Disney World in Orlando, but uh, we're already seeing some postponements of the first matches, and we have actually already seen one of the 26 teams withdraw uh, from the, the tournament completely, and that was FC Dallas. Uh, they're officially out. They had 10 positive tests when they got to Orlando, and apparently some clubs also want Nashville to drop out because Nashville uh, has some issues as well. So it's going to be interesting, and like I said at the top, 
Uh, we just don't know the way things are going to go, you know, the next few weeks with the virus and on a state by state basis. But um, and that's happening in Florida, obviously, too, where where uh, coronavirus has has been taking off. So uh, but the, the MLS tournament has a group stage with six groups and then a knockout round. And it looks like uh, Los Angeles FC, LAFC, is the short shot to win the tournament. I saw them around five to one odds, followed by the Seattle Sounders, Toronto um, and Atlanta. And then a little bit further behind them, we have LA Galaxy, Minnesota United, and uh, New York City, New York City FC. They're also in the conversation as well. Um, it looks like Orlando and Miami are supposed to kick things off tomorrow night with the first match, but um, we will see what ends up happening with that. Uh, Major League Baseball, 60-game season, 66-day sprint to the playoffs, 60 games in 66 days. Opening day 2020 is set for July 23rd. There's two games that day. Here's how the schedule is going to work. Each team plays 10 games against each um, of the other teams in their division. So that's 40 total games. And the remaining 20 games will be interleague games against teams in its corresponding geographic division. So here in the Midwest, the NL Central will play against the AL Central. Six of those interleague games are going to be against the team's quote-unquote natural interleague rival. So uh, it's easy for Cubs and Sox, obviously, here in Chicago. There's going to be six games there. And then the playoffs will be the same uh, be the same normal format that we're used to. But from an actual gameplay perspective, we're going to see a DH in the NL this summer. We're going to have uh, three batter minimum for pitchers. And perhaps most interestingly, extra innings will start with a runner on second base. So that's gonna that's really going to be interesting to watch how that goes down. Um, just lately, we've been seeing some restart delays just due to slow coronavirus testing. We've already seen some players come out and say that they won't participate. David Price for the Dodgers being one of the major ones. I mean, the guy's made enough money, can't blame him. Um, Nick Markakis said it's not worth it for him. And by all counts, it looks like Freddie Freeman's having a, a tough time dealing with the coronavirus himself actually right now too. Um, so there's also that. <laughs> but um, from a handicapping perspective, less games will obviously mean a lot more Variance and variance of baseball is already pretty extreme to begin with, but with only 60 games, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to get pretty nutty potentially out there. We've seen a change in teams' future odds, futures odds as a result. You know, for example, some of the longest shots on the board were cut in half. I think the Orioles were thousand to one. Now they're five hundred to one to win the World Series. It's just that much easier for you know with less games for. Um, for more variance to happen, you know, kind of like the March Madness NCAA tournament and a one-off game, anybody can win. And 162-game schedule in Major League Baseball, the cream's going to rise to the top with 60 games, uh, you know, shorter sample, smaller um, smaller amount of games, way wider variance. So uh, we can find some value as a result on some of these teams with talent who are most poised to capitalize on short-term variance, a team like maybe the Arizona Diamondbacks that has some nice weapons, you know, they can make some noise on a shorter time frame. And also the Toronto Blue Jays, that's another one uh, that could be interesting because, you know, if the, the bats are there, you know, they just need to catch a little bit of heat from the pitching, and, and which could totally be possible. You could totally see that coming. Wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Major League Baseball for all you conspiracy theorists out there. You can use a juice ball this year uh, to keep the games entertaining for us. Um but season win totals are up, and you can shop. You know, if you do shop, you can see some pretty wild disparities, or, uh, disparities uh, for season win totals for 
for a lot of different teams. I mean, I, I've seen one full game difference on some teams with the juice the same. So that's already a big deal with a normal 162 game schedule, but with almost you know a third of the amount of games we normally see, that's magnified big time. So if you can lock in a bet on both sides of a team and root for numbers to fall with little or no risk, there's there's nothing better than that. Nothing better than that at all. So the NBA moving on is also gearing up to start at Disney World at the end of the month. But the NBA is an interesting wild card right now with a lot of players focusing on social issues and also with a lot of uncertainty on who's who's going to want to go there and play in the first place. We've already seen some players drop out due to safety concerns, kind of like in baseball. And the fact that these games are supposed to take place in Florida, which has quickly become a coronavirus epicenter, that makes things even more questionable. But the NBA setup is... 22 teams returning to finish up the season. Each team will play eight remaining regular season games before the playoffs. The playoffs are supposed to start on August 17th. NBA Finals are slated to start on September 30th. The it comes as no surprise here. The Bucks, the Lakers, and the Clippers are your short shots to win the NBA title. But for those of you here in Illinois, Bet Rivers is offering a pretty nice number on the Boston Celtics, who I think are really, really decent futures play. I was actually able to snag them a 20-1 to 1 to win the NBA title at Bet Rivers um, in the first few days after the book went live, but I checked earlier just a little bit ago before recording this pod, and, and it was still up at 17-1, to 1, the Celtics, which is a nice market price in my opinion. I mean, Brad Stevens, the Celtics coach, he brings a nice coaching edge, and from a, a power ratings perspective, the Celtics, is, they're a very talented team with depth and you don't need them to even make it to the finals to do something with that ticket later on. So I really think that Celtics 20 to 1, even 17 to 1, I, I play that at anything over 14 to 1, to be honest with you. Um, that's, that's a pretty decent play because I think the going rate's a lot lower. I think uh, I, I even saw like 12 to 1, 10 to 1 at other spots. So definitely get in on that if you can because I think that's great value, especially if the Celtics can you know, win uh, semis and get to the Eastern Conference Finals. You'll be able to do something with that ticket right, right at that point. Um, the NHL, that's set to return on August 1st in Canada, and they're going right to the playoffs in the NHL. 24 teams are going to participate. It's an expanded playoffs. Um, the Stanley Cup is going to be lifted in October, so we have uh, a few months of that. Toronto is slated to host the Eastern Conference teams, while Edmonton is supposed to host the Western Conference teams. We already know that there's a lot of variance in hockey playoffs to begin with so this 2014 playoff can really see anything happen it looks like the shortest shots on the board though to win the stanley cup this year are the boston bruins tampa bay lightning they're around six to one odds and then there's a lot of teams in that eight to one to 15 to one range so that's going to be really interesting to watch the nhl when that starts back up and then finally football college football in the nfl our babies here on the doggy juice pod College, I mean, will they even play the games with no school on campus? There's just so many question marks right now when it comes to college football. And, I mean, it's a decided underdog that the season's going to start on time. At this point, I'm just hoping that we can get some semblance of a season in. Uh, The TV money is a big deal, but not so much in the smaller conferences. So it remains to be seen. Obviously, this is really where it matters on a state-by-state basis because a lot of these are public schools and it's just getting really messy from a legal perspective, so it's really hard to to prognosticate where college football is going to go, um, you know, coming up. But 
it's hard. It's hard to project. And what I think is most probable, though, is that we see games. We see college football games, but not with every school. Um, and it sounds to me like the commissioners of the Power Five conferences, they're going to have to have something out there by the end of July. So we'll know soon enough where, where their heads are at. But I'm sure they're waiting on a week-by-week basis here, day-by-day basis. But it is it is not looking too good for college football starting on time. Very depressing that uh, we likely won't see a normal college football this season. Um, and I, I think the most likely scenario, like I said, is we, we see some games, some schools navigate some sort of regular season schedule, but a lot of conferences won't be playing. The NFL, though, is a different story. And there's just too much TV money in play to not make this happen, even in a worst-case scenario. And it's hard to imagine them not doing at least something. So uh, we're not going to see fans. NFL ratings could be even better, though, even without the fans, if we don't get those college games, especially because they can move some games to Saturday to fill that gap with no college games. But I think that the NFL starting on time is probably closer to 50-50 than most people realize. It's obviously you know, within the realm of possibility that that we see some sort of delay at the start of the season. We've already seen the Hall of Fame game get canceled. We've seen the preseason get shortened by or to only two weeks, and there may be more to come soon. So it's it's hard to see it um, being anywhere near normal. Uh, starting on time will, you know, seems to be like a coin toss, but we'll just have to wait and see. But from an actual betting perspective in the NFL, we saw some big news last week. The Patriots signed Cam Newton. It was a huge upside move for the Patriots uh, with Josh McDaniels calling the plays and with Bill Belichick. Um, people forget Cam used to have incredible arm power, but rebuilt his motion with North Turner in Carolina, and he's had terrible accuracy issues pretty much since that time. It's been a steady decline for him ever since that MVP season with the new throwing motion. But that deal with the Patriots on their end, is it's essentially risk-free for New England. It's an incentive-laden deal, and Bet Online actually offered a will Cam start with the Patriots week one uh, wager at even money uh, as part of their odds booster series uh, last week, which was an easy bet to make. Uh, but unfortunately, the max bet was only $100 on that. But, I mean, New England, are they are they going to risk more runs with Cam? That's going to be interesting because, obviously, that's part of his allure, uh, his ability to you know power run and and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Cam, but just with Josh McDaniels and seeing what he's been able to do in the past uh, with that creativity and that playbook, you know, it really does open the door for Cam to to have a comeback year. And the Patriots, you know, obviously it's from a skill player position perspective, obviously they still have their issues, but the rest of the lineup, or the rest of the uh, sorry, the rest of their of their squad is uh, it has plenty of talent. I mean, let's let's put it that way. And so there's. The, the potential's there with Belichick and with McDaniels and Cam to absolutely still win their division this year and beat everybody out and keep their streak going. So it'll be interesting to watch, but New England and Cam, I think it's a home run deal for them, no doubt about it. So I'm starting to get going on my NFL work. Uh, it obviously feels different this year than any previous year. College football, it's really hard to get into the work right now just because of, you know, I'm not expecting it to start on time, so why am I going to put the same amount of work in that I normally put in at this time of year? But for the NFL, I'm operating like we're going to have a normal full season. And starting to get going on that NFL work, usually it always ramps up for me around 4th of July weekend. Um, obviously doing some work before this, the previous months that lead up to it, especially before 
you know, season win totals get released and stuff. You want to have some updates to the numbers and stuff, but really things begin in earnest around this time, you know, mid July. And it's no surprise that the Chiefs and Ravens sit atop my, my early power ratings right now. The lowest is likely going to be the Jaguars this year. But the difference between the best and the worst team is starting to grow. And it's higher right now. It looks like it's going to be higher at the start of the season than it was for me any other year. Um, and just like in Major League Baseball and other pro sports in recent years, it looks like the difference between the haves and the have-nots continues to increase, which is an interesting development, You know, even in the NFL, a league with... You know, historically, a lot more parity, you know, just given the hard salary cap and, and you know, all the other roster construction considerations out there. But um, that's an interesting development in terms of actual actionable plays. It's been no secret on here on the podcast that I, I was very bullish on Tampa Bay before Tom Brady came. So I loaded up on, on Bucks Futures right before Brady signed on, right when it became pretty clear around the time that he was signing because I was really high on that team, even dating back to last season. But obviously those numbers have moved so much on, on Tampa Bay now. I mean, I was able to find them at plus 775 to win the division, uh, the NFC South, just like the week that Brady signed. It was crazy. But the teams I am bullish and bearish on right now versus their current market number it's interesting because one of the teams that I'm most bullish on this year is one that I was most bearish on or one of the most bearish on last year, and that's the Cleveland Browns. I brought this up on a recent podcast, but I'm bullish on the Browns this year. And honestly, like it's all setting up for Baker Mayfield. They've really shored up that offensive line. They have new play callers in there. Looks like they're really going to embrace analytics in the right way, and they're going to tailor this team to Baker's strengths. And I think Baker Mayfield, you're hearing it right here on the Doggy Juice Pod, can absolutely be worth a, a ticket from a value perspective in the MVP market, the Comeback Player of the Year market. I think that you can really see an uptick uh, for Baker Mayfield this year. But just the Browns in general, I bet their season win total over. Um, and I'm, I haven't you know made any futures plays on them from a Super Bowl perspective, but I think it's you know, it's worth exploring that option just because you know everyone was a year early last year. But, you know, took that extra, and obviously there was issues with the management and the coaching and stuff like that. But I mean, that's that being one of the main parts of my handicap, to be honest with you. Um, but people were bullish on them last year for a reason, for a reason when the season started. And that all didn't just disappear. It was more a product of poor coaching and higher expectations. But now they've really tailored this team to Baker Mayfield. They have uh, smarter coaching, smarter management in there. And people are just keeping them under the, you know, they remember what they saw last with the Browns. This is the perfect buy signal and buy on time for the Cleveland Browns. Other teams that I'm bullish on right now, according to the markets or, you know, in comparison to the market, another team in the Browns division, the Steelers with Big Ben back, most likely healthy. And and they have that very strong defense. The win total is nine. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, I hopped on there over uh, seven wins, tons of offensive firepower. And I'm thinking they're going to make a big jump this year as well. The Washington Redskins, uh, who may end up changing their name before the season even starts, they're not a good team at all, and they're going to be one of the bottom feeders this year. But the way they're being priced right now, from you know, it's like a worst case scenario perspective, and that defensive front is going to be one of the best in the league. I mean, easy case can be made that they are a top five, top seven unit already with Chase Young. Uh, entering the fold there with the defensive front. I mean, they're going to be a force to reckon with. And with a new coach in there and the fact that, you know, for Dwayne Haskins, I mean, 
literally it's, it's it's only up from here for him just because last year could not have been much worse <laughs> for Dwayne Haskins. So, I mean, any sort of improvement from him, and you're going to see value on their, their season win total number as it is. But just with the injection of a new coach and a new culture in there, and that strong defense, it's just the recipe's there to outperform their their preseason expectations. So that's another team that I'm, I'm bullish on compared to the market. In terms of uh, teams that I'm bearish on relative to market expectations right now, the Atlanta Falcons, uh, things are going to get tricky there in Atlanta with the declining Matt Ryan and a vulnerable defense. And this is more of a zig while they zag play, but I'm bearish on the 49ers number right now. And just to be clear, you didn't find anyone a year ago who's more bullish on San Fran than I was. I mean, the, one of my first articles I wrote for Bet Chicago was uh, was urging people to bet on buy on San Fran and Kyle Shanahan's team. But it's just a reminder that it's not the team, but the price that matters. And Jimmy Vaccaro, legendary bookmaker, he says it best that pros bet numbers, Joes bet teams. And Kyle Shanahan, San Francisco is one of the best coaches in the in the game, but that Niners number is very high this year, so you definitely won't see me uh, betting any overs preseason on them uh, this time around for the 49ers. Uh, but you know, compare that to the Redskins. Do I think the Redskins are better than the 49ers? Of course not. I mean, the 49ers are favored by 15.5 points on the lookout line. They're, they're scheduled to play later this season. 15.5 points at home, the Niners against the Redskins. But numbers-wise, the stock on the Niners really can't be much higher and quite the opposite for Washington, the Redskins. Uh, the stock pretty much can't be lower than it is right now. So it's, you know, it's probably worth taking a flyer on that, taking that plus 15.5 points, just because even if the, if the start of the season plays out like we expect and the Redskins are one of the worst teams and they're, and they're not covering spreads and the Niners are, you're probably not going to see that number go above <laughs> or go too much higher. It's not like there's any key numbers up there anyway uh, once you're getting that high up. So uh, I think that's maybe a prudent you know, pre-game, sorry, game of the year line to play. You know, take some lines with uh, with the Redskins if you're really trying to get a little uh, frisky there. But um, it's just a simply a numbers game, my friends. That's it. It's just a numbers game, and always be sure to shop. There's one thing you can do immediately to make yourself a better sports better. It's not read up on a bunch of players. It's not do a bunch of research. No, it's to shop around for the best price you could find. Doing anything other than that is simply shortchanging yourself. And you're just wasting your time if you're trying to make money doing this in the long run if you aren't shopping. And you won't win in the long term without making line shopping a part of your daily process. You have to get the best number when it's out there. Otherwise, just I don't know what you're doing. So that's uh, my PSA here on the Doggy Juice Pod to close it out. And that's going to do it for this episode. I want to do a podcast soon on touting, sports betting touting and the touting industry and how I would love to see the American sports betting industry develop in the next few years as we leave the infancy stage of the post-PASPA world. But that's going to do it. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram for plus EV info and for best bets. Follow me at Doggy Juice. Uh, be on the lookout for more frequent podcasts soon as sports make their return. And as always, be sure to check out Bet Chicago and Bet Indiana News for the latest sports betting news. Hope you all had a great 4th of July weekend and hope you stay safe out there during these, these crazy times. And I'll talk to you all soon. Doggy Juice out.